All right, we're continuing our study in the Shorter Catechism, looking at question 55. We saw the duties required in the Third Commandment and the Third Commandment itself in questions 53 and 54. Just a reminder, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain, that requiring of us a holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. Now, the next question, 55, deals with anything whereby God maketh himself known. That is his names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. So that's kind of a summary statement for the particulars enumerated in question 54. All right, so that in mind, the third commandment forbiddeth all profaning. Now, this word profaning carries the idea of taking a sacred thing and putting it into a common use. So think about the various sacred things. Profaning, profanus, is to take them out of their sacred context and to use them in some common way. Um, And this we'll see specifically. Leviticus 18.21, the Lord says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Now this passage is extremely instructive in various ways. You'll remember that God assigns the word holy to the seed. God made the two one, Malachi says, because he seeketh a holy seed. So that means that God, when he adopts someone, he also by extension sanctifies their seed, and says they are holy. Just like Paul says, 1 Corinthians 7, so the Old Testament says the same thing. Your seed are considered holy. So if you take the seed that God says is to be holy unto him, dedicated and devoted to his worship in particular, and then you go to a different manner of worship, and you cause them to enter into pagan rites, such as the king worship of Molech, Molech is the mixture of the word melech for king and the vowel pointings for the word shame. So it's the shameful king worship where people bow down before their king. That worship, he says, is to profane the name of thy God because God's name is put upon your seed. God in his authority has claimed them as holy and now you take them and you cause them to enter into this godless state worship And he says that is a taking of his name, which is holy, and bringing it out to a defiled use. That's the idea there of profaning the name of thy God. So the third commandment forbiddeth all profaning. Then Leviticus 19.12, the Lord says, And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. So you call God to witness? A lie. That's what swearing by his name falsely. So you've taken the revelation of his glory and sworn by his name. That's an act of worship, actually, to swear by the name of God. And you are asking God to bear witness. God, you see my heart. God, you know my intentions. God, you can affirm the truth of what I say. And God, you will judge me if I do not keep and tell the truth at this time. And you ask God to be your witness in that. That's swearing by his name falsely. That is profaning 
the name of thy God. It's taking that holy name, the attribute of God, that he is omniscient. Remember, we talked about that, his attributes, titles, his ordinances, his word and his works. You said, God, you're a judge. You will do the work of judgment. Your attributes are holiness and omniscience. You see my heart. You're the heart-knowing God. Then you ask him to bear witness to a lie. That is taking the holy thing, God's name and his attributes and his uh, works, and then you're using that for a profane usage. So God says, do not do that. Number two there on your handout, the third commandment forbiddeth all profaning or abusing. Now, abuse is an important term. The Bible uses it to describe the usage people make of their bodies in sodomy. They abuse themselves with mankind. We use this word abuse in a very wicked way because we use it psychologically, which is to say, according to Darwinism. We don't use it in a biblical light. You can only abuse things. So God's name, you can abuse that. You, can, you can't abuse God himself. You can't misuse God because he's above and beyond. He's out of your reach. You can sin against God. That's something you can do. You can't abuse him. But you can abuse his ordinances. You can't abuse his titles. You can't abuse those other things, his attributes. You take them up in your name and use them in a specific way. The works of God are abused by men. They're misused by him. Malachi 2, verses 2 through 8, we'll read and skip a couple verses. Verse 2. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Now he's addressing, if look at the context, he's addressing the Levitical priests. And he's saying they've heard, that's the hearing of the word, but they don't do what? They don't lay it up in their hearts. They don't take it seriously. And consequently, they don't give glory to God's name. This is a misuse of the hearing of the word of God. This is a misuse because God's intention is when you hear his word, that you lay it up in your heart and that you glorify him by practicing it in your lives. So you're not doing that. Verse 3. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. Now that's an allusion to the dung of the animals after they had gutted them in the sacrifices. And does anybody know what they would do with the dung and the entrails of those animals? Where would they put them? outside the camp camp in a clean place they would burn them with fire God says you profane my worship you've misused my ordinances I'll misuse you I'll take the dung that you take out and I'll spread it on your faces of your children I'll corrupt your seed spread dung upon your faces the dung of your solemn feasts the very feasts that you misuse I will ironically spread that upon your face And then, just like you take away those entrails and burn them with the dung outside of the camp, I will take you away to be burned. That's what God is saying. They have abused his worship. They've abused the hearing of the word. They've abused the solemn feasts. They've abused the sacrifices that they make, and therefore God is judging them. Verse 5. 
My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Remember, Levi feared God when the golden calf was made. Who was it that executed vengeance? The Levites. They were the ones who stood with Moses. They stood against the corruption of the people and their golden calf. He said, you used to be afraid. You used to fear me. I made a covenant with you. And then there was also the covenant with Phinehas. I made a covenant of life and peace. I've blessed you. These are my ordinances. These are my promises. These are my words. And the fear of God is the proper response to God's ordinances. It's the proper use of his word. And then verse 6. The law of truth was in his mouth. And iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity. And did turn many away from iniquity. These are all divine ordinances. The word of God was preached by the Levites. That was their job. They turned people to repentance. They preached the word and exhorted men to come to repentance. To turn from their sins. These are all divine ordinances. Verse 7. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge. And they should seek the law at his mouth. This is the word of God. You have the ordinances referred to. Now the word of God referred to. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The word angel is translated here messenger. And it has reference to um, the function whereby God delivers his law down to the people. And then the messenger or the angel is the one who takes it then and delivers it from God to the people. That's what the Levite's function was. They were the messengers of the Lord of hosts. But, verse 8, Ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is the accusation laid against them. I gave you the word. I gave you my ordinances. I made a special agreement in my providence. I entered into a covenant with Phinehas, this is one of my works, you took all these ordinances, word, and works of God, and you corrupted them. You departed out of the way of the law. You caused many people to stumble. This is actually the specialized practice of the Jews, how to make people stumble at the law of God. That's exactly what they do. And they do it by corrupting the teaching of Scripture and by adding their own human supposed wisdom to the scriptures, and then they cause people to stumble at God's law, so that people think the law of God is a joke. And that's also, if you read about the sons of Eli, if you recall, the people kicked, they kicked at the sacrifices, they made people despise the worship of God, they took the ordinances of God, and they abused them. And this is all not giving glory to his name, he says there in verse 2. So the third commandment, when we're told, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, this is what it's saying when it prohibits us. Don't take God's ordinances, His holy word, the preaching of His word, the teaching of His word, the hearing of His word, the solemn covenant He entered into, the feast that He put and appointed for the Old Testament, all these ordinances of worship, the word of God, the preaching of God's word, the special covenant, don't abuse them. Don't go out of the way. Don't corrupt this work of blessing, this covenant of Levi that he made with your fathers. And so we see there that God's third commandment 
prohibits us from not just profaning the name of God and his holy ordinances, but also abusing the ordinances, the word, the works of God. All right, then Thomas Vincent talks about anything whereby God maketh himself known. So he says, God's ordinances are profaned and abused when persons are irreverent in their attendance upon them in regard to the outward gesture of their bodies, laughing, talking, sleeping, or in any other way indecently behaving themselves in the time of prayer, preaching, singing, receiving the sacraments, or any other part of God's worship. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Ecclesiastes 5.1 Let all things be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14.40 Okay, so God has made himself known in the ordinances of worship. And just like the priests had a duty to treat the word of God and the solemn feasts and the preaching and teaching of God's word in a sacred way, so when we enter into God's worship, we're to treat it also as a holy thing. We're to consider it as important. And because it's a sacred time, because these are special actions that we engage in, there are certain actions that are unsuited for that time. There are certain ways of behaving that they're fine on other occasions. But when you use them in the worship of God, they become an abuse. God's making himself known in the preaching of his word and the prayers we offer and the singing of his praise and the receiving of his sacraments. These are God's ordinances. This is God's word. These are special and sacred acts. So therefore, is it okay to sleep? Not in worship. Is it okay to sleep outside of worship? Of course, we have to. In fact, it's required of us that we get a a wholesome amount of sleep for our bodies or we're sinning against God in the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. You're engaged in self-murder if you don't get enough sleep. But when you come into the house of God, should you be sleeping? No. You should take care of that. And the time that you have, when God says six days shalt thou labor, what he's referring to is everything that you need to do, take it out of the Sabbath. And in a similar way, everything else that you need to do, like sleeping or eating, do that sometime else. Do it in another time, in another place. Like Paul says, you have houses you can eat and drink in. Don't bring that into the sacrament of the Lord's body and blood and profane it by excluding certain people and getting drunk. Okay, is it okay to laugh? Isn't laughter a good medicine? But when you're coming to hear the word of God, it's a solemn action. You don't engage in, you know, a joke fest. It's not a comedy club. The church is not a comedy club. And then jibber-jabbering, talking during worship, distracting other people, behaving in any indecent way, saying this is not right because it's irreverent. It's not suitable to the specific actions you're doing, and therefore you shouldn't do it. Now, this is also a condemnation, not just of us when we attend on worship, but also pastors. If pastors make the pulpit into an opportunity for them to display their humor and to tell all sorts of jokes, even if those jokes aren't indecent, It's taking away the solemnity of the action and turning it into, like I said, a comedy club. And especially if you use the Bible as a means by which the Word of God is turned into basically your little box of jokes that you can make 
word plays and clever gesture or clever words based off of scripture, you're profaning. The pastors are profaning the word of God. They're violating this very thing. They're abusing the word. God makes himself known in the preaching of the word and you make it into an opportunity for people to know how smart you are and how funny you are. Is that what God wants? No. That's abusing of a way that God makes himself known. Okay, and then he goes on. When persons under ordinances are slight and formal. Now, slight is where you don't enter in completely into something. Eh, I'll do a little bit. You know, I'll kind of enter into that, but it's not a big deal to me. It doesn't mean that much. And then formal is where a person is just going through the motions externally, but it really doesn't impress the mind or the will or the affections internally. It's just the form on the outside. I'm just walking through these steps. So he says, when persons under ordinances are slight or formal as to the inward frame of their minds, when their minds are roving and wandering. You ever had that happen? That's a sin. When our minds wander and worship away from the things that God wants us to focus on. And their hearts are dead and dull. I'm not impressed with what I'm hearing here. It's not entering in. It doesn't penetrate into my very soul, my mind, and my will, and my affections, my heart. It's like I'm dead to it. Who cares? I'll go through the external action, but this isn't that important to me. And then he goes on. He says, this is very unbeseeming the majesty of God, whom in his ordinances they wait upon who being a spirit, doth chiefly look to the spiritual part of his service. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. So God's concern is that a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, when they enter into the ordinances of God, we know that there is a human infirmity. We don't expect the same from a little child or an infant as we do from an adult. But according to their capacity... God's expectation is this person will enter in with all of their mind and soul. Your mind should not be roving about, thinking about all sorts of other things. Your affections, your mind, and your will should not be dead or dull. Because if you actually thought that you were in the presence of God, would you behave as that? Would you behave in such a calloused way? Such a dull way? No. So God makes himself known in those things, and that is a profaning of those things. It's treating the worship of God as if you're watching a movie, for example. You're watching a movie, can you think about other things? Sure, that's fine. You might even fall asleep watching a movie. You might, you know, talk to somebody, not loud enough to be rude and disturb people, but you might talk to somebody about something else. You might pass notes while you're watching a movie, and there's no sin in that. But if you go into the worship of God and you act that way, you're now treating a sacred set of actions by which God makes himself known as if it's the same thing as your movie. And the big sin of the modern church that's being judged by God is that they treat church like uh, entertainment. And thankfully, we don't do that. But do we violate this? Yes, we do. So we can't cast stones too quickly. Oh, let's, let's get them. Yeah, good job. Let's get them. Well... Us too. You know, we likewise are guilty, perhaps in different ways. So we must be cautious and we must repent. If we have these kinds of vices, God's making himself known. 
and we're wandering in our minds and our thoughts into other things when we're sleeping or talking or laughing or whatever. The point is God makes himself known in the ordinances and therefore we ought to treat it as God making himself known to us and use the appropriate solemnity, whether in preaching, as I preach the word of God or teach the word of God, not turning it into an opportunity to display Paul talks about not speaking in words of wisdom that man's wisdom teach. That's part of what he's talking about. Pastors who take the word of God and they make it an opportunity to show you how eloquent they are as opposed to getting the truth across. What does God say? In the simplicity of preaching, it becomes this amazing uh, presentation to draw attention to the manner of the presentation rather than the thing that's presented. All right. So this is the uh, forbidden things, profaning and abusing, or abusing, either of those, all profaning, all abusing, of anything whereby God maketh himself known. All right, let's close in prayer.